Episode two, everyone. Welcome. I said that as if I was corralling a large group of people, but it's just me alone in my office speaking into a microphone. But I know that it's hitting your ears and now I am rambling. Welcome. Episode two of Maybe I'll Stay Home, the Monday podcast for the website with the same name, maybeillstayhome.com. I'm your host, Stacey McGonigal. I'm so happy that you guys are here listening and listening in whatever way you want, cleaning your house, walking your dog. I don't even care if you're listening to this while in another room, ignoring your significant other. I hope you are because it means that you and I get some time together and that's important to me. Um, Today we are talking to comedian and writer and friend of mine, John Hartman, who is so smart and articulate and such a genius and you will fall in love with him as much as I am in love with him. as you will hear in the podcast as I creepily uh, fan girl over him. Uh, He's so funny and I recommend you guys look him up. Uh, You can catch him on an, uh, I guess it's upcoming episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which he told me at the end of the pod, which you will hear my excitement and me perk right up uh, because I'd like to marry Larry David. And I don't think I'm asking too much when I say that, but uh, we had a great conversation and I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. Um, And let me know what you think about it. Also, if I can get a little sappy for a quick second, uh, I just want to thank everyone who has listened and subscribed to not only the uh, Maybe I'll Stay Home podcasts, but to the website and checking it out and um, joining me on my live streams and supporting the things I'm trying to do. I want you to know, I say this often, but I do mean it. It does mean the absolute world to me. Um, I'm just so touched that, you know, the internet can be kind of a skeezy, scary place, uh, filled with mean people. Uh, but I guess, uh, I've been very lucky that we are not, um, that my no pervs rule, um, has stayed. Um, you guys have been so supportive and wonderful. And I want to thank you for, um, for every like, share, tweet, uh, subscription, um, it just is so nice and I want to just be a little sappy and say thank you. And to those who have supported the Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash Stacey McGonigal, that again too just means the world. Um, the fact that you want to get behind what I'm doing is just great. So uh, thank you so much. And uh, I hope you're enjoying the content. There's so much more to come. Um, I Yeah, I'm excited to expand the site and the platform and the podcasts and where that will be in a year is exciting to me. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you like what I'm doing um, and you haven't shared yet, try it. It'll be fun. Your grandma needs something to listen to. Hi, grandma. I promise we're going to have a good time. Um, I was just uh, startled right there by uh, Brendan coming in, making me a white wine spritzer. What a surprise. That was very nice. Um, so sorry about that. Pause. And will I go in and edit it cleanly? Guys, I'm learning. I hope that it was. But just know that the pause was me receiving one of my favorite drinks, which is a white wine spritzer, which uh, in truth, I've taken a lot of heat for. I love a white wine spritzer because um, if you're like me and uh, your budget is um, cheap wine, uh, it's a great way to just dilute all of the bad things about the wine you're drinking. Although in truth, I'm sure if I had a very expensive white wine, I probably wouldn't taste the difference. And um, I feel like that's a blessing and a curse. But I remember drinking a white wine spritzer at a comedy, uh, uh, it's called Comedy Bar in Toronto. Go there if you're from Toronto, that's where you should go 
if you do comedy. I mean, also, if you're not from Toronto, you should just go there too. But um, I was there drinking and a young girl, a young comedian uh, came up to me and was like, oh, um, my friend and I were both enjoying a white wine spritzer. And she decided to come up and say, "Um, I just want to know, you know, sort of what the uh, the old timers are drinking. And that's, uh, I think that was the moment I realized I probably shouldn't be wearing short overalls anymore. Not that I was, but I knew that that time window had sort of um, passed me by. Does that make sense? I'm drifting now, but either way, guys, let's get into my conversation with John Hartman. He has uh, a tiny letter, uh, which is, uh, I have one of those too. It's a weekly newsletter that um, I release um, and I just uh, dusted it off. Uh, this week. So uh, check it out at tinyletter.com slash Stacey McGonigal. But John just started one too. And it is uh, a collection of short stories. And let me tell you, they are goddamn delights. Uh, The first one he has just posted on the newsletter because again, while enjoying a white wine spritzer, I forced him to start one because I just think he is talent. So um, that is tinyletter.com slash John Hartman. Uh, you can find his tiny letter called Little Dumplings, which is just incredible. So here is my conversation with John and um, get ready to fall in love with him. Bye, guys. We're recording. Hi, John. Hi, Stacy. <laughs> we're we were talking just normally, and now we are recording. I know. I stopped myself from talking to wait to talk some more. That's what the internet is now. Yeah. My voice changes a little bit when I start doing a pod. I I get like a broadcaster voice, and then I sort of lean into like a more human voice as the podcast goes on. Yeah, it's like super Dan Rather right now. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, thank you so much. I'm gonna just fix the audio as I'm a loud little duck. Um, I saw Dan Rather on, who was he? he? I think he was on CNN and it sounded like he was eating glue. In his normal voice now? He was like, rrr, rrr, rrr. yeah, it was yeah. sad. He is so great right now with his <laughs> being so outspoken about stuff. You're like, liking him. Yeah, because he's like going down like hard with, with like, I'm going to say whatever I want now. I mean, he's super anti-Trump and right. will just like say whatever. And especially right. speaking up for the media, which sometimes is hard and... I don't know. He does a good job. I'm, I'm loving that it just... First of all, I thought, oh, we would talk about dumb things, and then it's like, we're, right, we're getting right into it. We don't it. have to go into that. And no, I'm, we will go into Dan I, Rather. No, okay. we will. We will talk about <laughs> Dan Rather. No, I've been watching a lot of CNN. Is that like your preferred preference is CNN? Well, it's... MSNBC. What are what are you? The uh, the gym that I go to has um, <laughs> CNN on one and MSNBC Ooh. on the other one. And... Um, Humble brag about the gym, but yep, um, there are a lot, so I figure I can go there and watch my news. Uh, <laughs> but I actually, before the um, election, I was like mm-hmm. getting so worked up about all the coverage, and I was like, right, but this will be over soon, and I won't have to deal with this. But it would now. inspire me to go to the gym because I would watch the right. the Trump stuff that was going on. I would get so worked up, but it would be good for me, like on the elliptical, because I would like generate power from it, right. And now I just, whatever. But, <laughs> now but, it's too much. Yeah. But I guess CNN is like sometimes hard to um, stand up for because yeah. they just, they just like sometimes talking so much that yeah. they don't always have the right things to say. I know. And but I, I want to root for them because of how much 
he goes after them now. So they're like this like wounded dog. I know. And I love Jake Tapper in a very unhealthy yeah. way. Oh, like do you have like a obsession with him? Like I would marry him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I just think he's so handsome and like I literally like swoon a little bit when he's on TV. And I I have said to Brendan like he wouldn't lie to us, right? <laughs> like, yeah. But maybe he is. You know, he's one of those people that years ago he was in the um it was during uh uh, Obama, I think, and he was in the White House press briefing. Like he was just a reporter in the back of the room. Yeah. And somebody had said something about like how Fox News wasn't news, and he stood up for them in really? the room. Really? Yeah. And he got kind of a lot of flack for it, because, <gasps> but he was one of those guys that stood up and did that. Which is, he was just like looking out for everybody. Wow, my taps. Yeah. What a stand-up guy. Yeah, if you didn't need any more reasons to I, like him. I don't really, and I think he's really funny, and he does like, uh, when he goes on Conan and stuff, he's got some funny bits. I appreciate um, people who are naturally funny. Yes. I don't, well, you're a Second City alum, and you're a very funny man. One of thank the funniest you. I know. Wow, thank I'll, you. I'll tell you a creepy story of how I first met you okay. uh, after this, but um my biggest pet peeve is when people aren't funny and then you watch them try and be a little silly. I know. It's, it's like, it makes you really uncomfortable. I know. It, it's not like a, I, I totally agree with you. And it's not a, it's not like meant to be down on people that no. aren't funny. Like I often prefer people that aren't. Sure. But they, it's the, yeah, I, I think we're yeah. speaking the same and, language. And, but and like, again, I'm not judging as if I'm like on this high horse, but it's like when no. you see, you know, sort of, you know, people letting loose that shouldn't, I, I get really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's just got to stay in their lane, you know, pick your own, <laughs> choose your own adventure. Listen, people know, you know if you're funny or not. And if you don't, just sit and meditate for 10 minutes. Your stomach will tell you, your lower gut yeah. will just say, this isn't for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, But I want to tell you, so the first time I met you, I don't know if I've told you the story, but we were auditioning for a program that our previous employer was trying was doing. That's right. And my friend Jason and I were like basically told like this isn't gonna happen for you guys. Uh, and so I was just kind of like a filler girl on the trip. That's amazing. First of all, yeah, yeah. They would say that. Well, it, they weren't like, hey, by the way, this isn't gonna happen. But it was like they were sort of dangling a carrot that we both knew was kind of not gonna hit our mouths wow okay. yeah i don't know if that makes sense anyway so we went and i had never been to chicago before and we were uh all auditioning together yeah and i thought you were truly one of the funniest people i'd ever seen i was laughing so hard i like had to leave i was crying laughing i was like this is a problem and then um do you remember when they were like these are the people who get to stay and these are the people who get to go yes 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 and you had to go right i uh, yes i i did have to, i went i made it to the next one more. <laughs> then like you I were got to, told to and go. then I was told to go. Yeah. Because so I was in the first batch that was like, get out of here. And then they were like, we're driving you right to the airport after <laughs> this. And there was two stretch levels waiting for us. Wow. But we went to like your Corcoran's. Yes, our, our Corcoran's. Your over, Corcoran's, yeah. your little hangout. <laughs> yeah. We did not have a Corcoran's in Toronto. But anyways, we were in Corcoran's and um uh we were like lamenting, and then we saw you come in and we were like he, like you didn't like John didn't make it like we were freaking out and then um, uh, we were convinced you had overheard us like really like leaning into our love for you no I and then we were no. like fuck like this first time in Chicago and this guy thinks we're like like weird and we were like obsessed with you and then we went away in our stretch limos never to be seen again <laughs> right to the airport that's very sweet no I well, didn't hear you guys um, so funny thank you I, it, yeah. I, that was such a 
um, strange experience I remember because yeah. we all there was kind of this weird feeling that we were all auditioning for the job that we already had. Yeah. And it was like these are all some of the best improvisers now in not only now in Chicago but like in the world because we had Toronto people coming in too. Oh. And so it was like this is and and auditioning for our bosses who we'd already hired yeah. had already hired us. You see us every night of the week working. Yeah. Just pick the ones. Yeah. It was but it was cool to like get to see every like to see you guys cuz I mean we were like the little we're like the little kid sister or brother sister to you guys from Chicago but it was it was cool, but yeah. And then I kept trying to like figure out your name from like our body. It was a real weird thing. <laughs> I, I went I went down a weird rabbit hole, and like you know. And we're gonna get into this. I couldn't find you on social media as you don't have a Twitter account. I don't have Twitter, no. Which is crazy to me because you're so funny and you're a writer, which we'll talk about later too. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I feel like this podcast is just really me complimenting you. I'm fine with it. <laughs> Um, but okay, you're not on social media. Well, I'm I'm on Facebook, but I don't really post. But uh, and, yeah. I'm on there. Um, Instagram, you're into. I'm Instagram, I'm into. But I like to put pictures up of like if I go somewhere. Like I was right. just in Italy, and I wanted. I know yeah. there were people that would be legitimately kind of like annoyed if I didn't at least show some pictures from there. You have to. So yeah, but it's not. It's definitely like you said. It's not like uh, a brand account for like. <laughs> Com- comedy for me or right anything. which i think is like wh- it's interesting no 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 i don't think it's a waste i think i'm too into it and i i it doesn't matter like social media does not matter and i catch myself like getting too into it no i i i also worry about my we talked about this right before about yeah you have to embrace the internet like yeah it is what the future is and it's how to get yourself out there which i was said yeah. a thing yesterday where I learned about a guy that had got hired for to write for Jimmy Kimmel because mm-hmm. of his Twitter account. Yeah. And um, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel messaged him on there and said, can you come in for a few minutes? See, isn't that crazy? Yeah. I feel like that's one in a million uh, yeah. that happens. But I remember going to a woman's uh, luncheon. Um, humble right. Fantastic. I had a soda water. Uh, <laughs> and we went to like hear successful writers give you tips on like, how to be successful as a writer, which um, is just truly a waste of time. Uh, not to be pessimistic, but have you ever been to those things? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, certainly. Yeah. And so I went, it was like all for ladies and everyone was wearing name tags and stuff. Um, and I thought one of the speakers was going to be Ellen Generous because I saw her at the bar. Whoa. She was just there, but it was a, it was a big find. She was taking the class? No, she was just enjoying some breakfast potatoes with Portia. Uh, Whoa. And I was like, well, she's probably going to be the speaker. She she just uh, wasn't. Who um, was the speaker? Anne Heche. It was Anne Heche. And I was like, she just like held her Oscar out of her. Like, we hate you. Um, no, it was like some people from The Simpsons and stuff. And their advice was to get a Twitter. And I was like, I think we all have one. <laughs> like, But that was, I was like, how is that? Are you going to follow me? Right. How are you going to find me? I feel like they don't know what to say at this point. Yeah. Because everyone that got a job like for The Simpsons and stuff, did it in a time, a different time. Oh yeah. Like they did it, they went about things one way and mm-hmm. now they are being asked to give their advice on something to which they don't have the proper tools to answer. Yeah. But they still are being, they have to give an answer. They yeah. are in a position where you are required to be the mentor position. Right. You know, and, and God bless, like they got to be in this position where right. you, you want to help other people. So you get to a higher status, you got to send the ladder back down. That's a great way to be in Hollywood and stuff, but I don't think a lot of people know how to do it. I mean, 
Jerry Seinfeld very openly talks about how they could never make Seinfeld today. No, they couldn't. There's no way. It just wouldn't. There's no way for, first of all, for a show to catch on like that. There's no must-see TV anymore. Which There's sucks. no appointment TV. So a show like that, it could be the exact same, mm-hmm. um, but it would have no way of finding its footing the way it did back then. And we don't have the attention span to give a show a season or two to like really figure out what it is. Or three, I think, for that one, or four, yeah. maybe before it was like solid in its ratings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like even now, like, <clears throat> well, t- I just found out that you like TV. I thought you were not a TV guy. Although oh, we're in a, a writing group together. I should have assumed that. But uh, yeah. Even now, like watching Netflix, like I just finished Glow. Did you watch that about wrestling? I haven't watched Glow yet, but it's very excited about it. So good. Honestly, I'm really upset I didn't uh, get a role on the show. Um, I did beg my uh, management. And you have to do those things, so that's good. That's good. I didn't. I begged them. I didn't get an audition. I said I would do anything. It <laughs> still didn't work out for me. But um, uh, I was saying to Brendan, like, uh, even to write a show now, it's like you have to write it differently. Uh, because people are binge watching something. Yeah. So I didn't even think about that, but it's like the structure in which I used to write. I can't write that way anymore. But that's this is what is difficult for me to embrace is the idea of like you have to change your voice to mm-hmm. suit what's going on. And I'm still conflicted about that. Like I think right. I've, we've all done stuff where we are writing what we think someone else wants to read. Totally. Or we are writing maybe the thing that we think is our personal pet project, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't seem as maybe viable, like as a oh, totally. mar- marketability wise. And that's horrible. I know. So, um, what was I going to say about the, um, the writing your own stuff? Hold on, it'll come to me. Yeah, we'll come keep going. <clears throat> no, it was, it's interesting because it's like I feel like, and to even relate it back to our social media uh, thing is like. Oh yes. Go ahead. Nope, no, no, no. No, we'll roundabout. I got it in my brain. That was that was what sparked it. Ooh. Because it was coming back to me not being on Twitter. Yeah. Because I have a style that I really enjoy writing now. I mean, mm-hmm. I from number of views I did sketch comedy and yeah. I, I still love sketch comedy, but I've kind of that's not why I moved out here. It's to do other kinds of writing. Right. And I also write a different kind of thing that's not maybe as always jokey. So I see, I look at Twitter and I'm both in awe of it and sometimes um, uninterested by it because right. I, it's, it's like going back to staying in your lane. Right. I could feel moved to write about a topic mm-hmm. joke wise and I could get to it. And I know that there are 15 people within the hour that can comment on that probably in a better way than I can because they right. have learned the art form of that better. And it's not something that I'm particularly interested in right. in mastering. I, there are other yeah. kinds that I am. And that that one is just not it. And I'm, I look at people that are really amazing on Twitter and sometimes people will send me tweets and I can read them or be like, wow, Patton Oswalt is really <laughs> right. amazing on here. And may, maybe I should do more things like that or mm-hmm. this is a way to be seen. Right. And for me... I'm like, that isn't the venue that I'm particularly interested in, like, getting good at comedy-wise. Right. And right. so maybe, I and I don't mean for that to sound, like, snooty or... Oh, it sounds all those things. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. It doesn't at all. No, but it's interesting because it's like, you know, uh, I, I remember uh, someone telling me, like, just use it. It's like reps. Like, you know, yeah. this is like, you know, reps for, you know, to f- not only 
write jokes, but to find out your voice. How do you feel about something in 140 characters? And yeah. I think that's really interesting. Like, I'm never like, just woke up and I'm going to have breakfast, guys. Like, I was never a no, status, no, no. which is why I was hesitant at first to join Twitter because I was like, well, I don't care to, like, tell people stuff. But right. to use it as a joke kind of area, I enjoy. But... um but yeah, if you feel like it's not your thing, which is interesting because I feel like everything has to be your thing now. Like everything well, has to be yeah. your thing, which is just overwhelming. Right. Truthfully. Like I couldn't do Snapchat. I won't do Snapchat. I don't enjoy it. I won't. Well, it's just for like sex, right? Isn't it? It had to have been designed for <laughs> I, that. I think it started as just like a sex thing. It had to. Says the two oldest people having a conversation. <laughs> Isn't that Snapchat a sex thing? Um, well, now no, there's people that not. have like political... Ch- chat shows on there for young people isn't I that know. crazy yeah it's incredible but see that's the thing too it's like now i feel like going now back to talking about um writing and like having to evolve your taste to match what's going on yeah but it's like well that's the really frustrating thing because i feel like there's so much content out there nowadays that it's like we can't just like go knock on nbc's door and go like please sir please read this envelope full of my show like you yeah. just can't do that so it's like now it's like well how do i maintain my voice and not have to you know, contort it to suit a, the Snapchat filter in which it'll be produced on, if that makes sense. Right. And, you know, people now, one of the first questions I hear asked about something that I've written from representation and mm-hmm. from um, people you want to submit things to right. is what makes you the person that should tell the story? And it's like, because I did, because I told right. it. Right. But, you know, the way things are these days, like, we're in a very heavily like autobiographical storytelling time. Yeah. Which is, you know, not everyone's story is going to be, you know, um, Issa Rae or Aziz Ansari. Like not everybody can tell their specific story and have that be the thing that sells. And, but people want that personal touch so much that you can, you can have a great idea for a story and they might say like, well, are you the person to tell this story? It's a difficult time to like just come up with an original idea that right. might be fictional. But it's interesting too because it's like my how I kind of write and create is always from myself. I will like I just write. I mean, even when I started stand up, like my boyfriend at the time would like sit front row and I'd be like, "You guys know what's hard about men." Like it was like not good, but like he'd be right there, and I didn't realize at the time that you don't actually just tell like the truth. Like you have to kind of massage it. I even still get a little too caught up in like telling just too many truths about my actual life. And people are like, you should change the names. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, should I? (laughs) Like, I feel really bad about my, that one particular boyfriend, but, um, (laughs) he would always come and I'd be like, so we're arguing about this. And it was like real. Um, so it's like, I love telling my own story, but it is hard to, uh, it is an interesting balance of like, this is a story I want to tell. And they're like, mm, what advertiser will care about this? You know, which right. is like the thing, like, why are you so special? And I'm like, I don't, um, I, I don't know. And, and we don't have the answer for this right now, obviously, but like, right. but because, you know, you ha- we do have to be thinking about those things in a yeah. way of like, who would buy this? Why? Because eventually you get into a room and you have to tell people why. To buy it. Isn't that crazy? Especially like coming from Canada, we are not, and I'll say we as a full people, I'll speak for us today. Um, (laughs) Like it's not, um, Brendan was saying his friend uh, was describing it as like tall poppy syndrome. Like we don't, 
like when people get a little too big for their their britches or whatever. Oh yeah, we will cut them down. And so, uh, and and I'm guilty of it. And we're all kind of guilty of it. But it's like to come into the states, everyone's very confident about the things that they're doing, regardless if it's writing a show or if it's like mowing a lawn or making a snowman. Like everyone's like, "That's America." And you're like, "Whoa!" It's, there's a confidence that I've had to sort of transition to yes. kind of fit because going in like when you're like an actor, you have these general meetings and you go in yes. and meet people and you have to tell them kind of why you're great. Yeah. And I'd be like, I don't know. Like, I, you know, like I, I would have nothing. I would, I, I felt unnatural to be a little braggadocious in that way. Yeah. Well, it is. A, it should be unnatural because right? you're, you're a normal human being that <laughs> yeah. has sensitivity and modesty oh. and you want to oh have, God. and you just, you have, you want your talent to speak for itself. Well, that's what I want as well. And it, it, yeah. it's so hard, though, because you have to start developing this other part of you. And it's so weird. Um, yeah, those those meetings are very unnatural. Like, yeah. we aren't trained to think that way, to and talk you, about ourselves. And you have to go in and, like, be jokey and funny and, like... I, I, I have to take a nap after I do that because I'm just like, hey, like... I will mention something that I I tell a lot of people about now um, that made me think of this, which is this book, um, The War of Art. Do you Ooh, know it? No, but that's... I, I need to... You have it, right? I don't have it. On, Damn it. I have an audiobook version of it because oh. it's... I liked walking around having it like in my head, mm. like the earbuds, um, okay. just like walking around town. It was very good. But The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield is, is really great. And um, there's a thing in it that speaks to what you were just saying about the professional versus the amateur. Mm-hmm. And it's not about getting paid. It's about how you present right. yourself. Right. And the professional artist yeah. does not talk about their work. Mm-hmm. They, do, they do their work. So I they go that. and they, whether it's their writing or their, their stand-up or mm-hmm. whatever it might be, right. um, they go and they, they practice it and they get better at it. Mm-hmm. They might be struggling with it and they, they know that and... But they they work through it, and you and you right. you do what you need to do, and you get your reps in every day for whatever version of that is. Right. The amateur talks about their work all the time. Right. They talk about how great it's going. They talk about. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see this on Facebook now as it manifests itself there. Oh yeah. They talk about um, when it's not going well, but really they talk about how much they're doing too, and right. how many different projects they're juggling right now, and how right. great it is to have that, but. You know, it's really hard to have so many things right, right now. And uh, that's the big difference is they that's aren't crazy. doing it as much as they're talking about it. Oh, but my we God. we are led to believe that we're supposed to be talking about it all the time to build oh, ourselves yeah. up. But then, yeah, because it's like, how do you stand out from the crowd if you're not talking about it? But I absolutely agree with what you're saying and have been so guilty of that. I know. But I would, so suffice it to say, I would rather be the person that, and this is how I went through a lot of what I did in Chicago mm-hmm. and it served me well there, which was I got there. I was like, I want to do really well here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go into whatever rehearsal class. That's when I started was classes like, yeah, show up, do what exactly what is asked of you. Yeah. And don't do, try to do crazy more. Yeah. Keep your head down. Don't talk beyond like what is asked of you. Yeah. Be quiet and go home. And it, it served me well because there's a lot of people that just talk and talk and talk about yeah. nothing to build themselves up or to show a teacher or something. That's me. Um. Uh, that's a, th- that, <laughs> no, no, it's it not was. you. Of like, no, but, it, but it's interesting because um, 
I feel like that's it's relatable. I feel like sometimes when people hear people talking about writing or creating or performance and they're not a performer, they feel like they can't get they can't like get information or relay it to their own life. But it's like it's so true. Yeah. But also, I really relate to you in that way because I am. I mean, I'll just. I mean, would you say you're like a perfectionist? I would say I'm, yeah, a reluctant perfectionist. Yeah, me too. Like, oh, I gotta, well, I'm gonna have to stay up and do this. Yeah. Um, when I, whenever I did classes for like improv, like I was not there to like make friends, like which is a reality show <laughs> cliche. <laughs> I wasn't. I was like, I'm here yeah. to learn my skill. I'm gonna get on main stage. Like I have no time. Yeah. So like I remember taking classes with like full adults and I was like 19, 20. And, you know, adults take improv classes to meet people and to do fun things. Right. And I would be like, this is a distraction. Like yeah. I was not, I was like Reese Witherspoon in Election. You know? <laughs> oh, yes. That's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> is it? Yeah. I think it's like a perfect comedy. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I think you talked about that in Writer's Group. I might have. I talk about it a lot because I think it's just, and I've read the screenplay a number of times too. Really? Just to look at it. Yeah. Matthew Broderick so uh underappreciated I think as a an oh, actor yeah. but um I like I was like I'm gonna get on main stage like this I'm just so focused I'm going to do this and I was like not a jokester I was not relaxed I was but very intense yeah and sometimes that can be you know if you get too much that way mm-hmm. you lose sight of things and oh and you lose friends and just like general friends. respect and whatever it's not a big deal but it's true like I yeah. was a little too much I, about I remember it. one of my early IO classes in Chicago they um, it was like a level one mm-hmm. and afterwards everyone was like together, went to a bar and they like, we should go through all the levels together. Like we should do it. And everyone was like, yeah. What? And I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to be doing that. <laughs> I, I, totally. I wasn't like mean about it, but no. I was like, that's not that interesting to me or I, no. I don't really care about that. Like I would love to see you guys again. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get to do some classes, but I'm not going to, I won't be focusing on that. I would love just to see that as a sketch. <laughs> It's like everyone's just like we found it we found our crew and you're like you know what honestly, I'm like not about that in fact I'm just here just to like say face and be part of the group but yeah. I'm going home right now <laughs> but you also in those things you find out it's not like you have to f- you find who your friends are through those like, oh sure you instantly connect with people and oh. it's like anybody who in any job I, I would assume um, oh you, like yeah. you find the people you connect to you're drawn to them you probably want to hang out with them outside of it and that's it's it's like not a, yeah. it's not a decision it's just like happens and I know instantly if I'm going to like someone and will like continue the friendship yeah. which sounds horrible and and it is bad and I'm sure I've missed out on a lot of great friendships but I'm just like <laughs> nah it's not going to happen no but why we don't have time to waste like, for that yeah life's short we just know this is it and listen some people get upset by that where it's like we're just we're just not going to go there and that's fine with me why why beat around the bush of like we have to go through this song and dance of like. <laughs> Let's hang out a few times yeah. and then and then we'll pretend that we're so I know. Like, it just is so boring. I went on friend dates here in LA when I first moved here and they were sad. You did. Friend dates. Yes. Were you set up by other people? No, like one we met on Twitter. One um no, one was at this luncheon. I met her and we kinda hit it off and then it was yeah. like um yeah we went on a friend date and I, I was like, Are you cold or are you okay? Like is this fine? Like is this place all right? <laughs> And, Are you cold? Yeah, and I knew I knew then, much like a, a first date, I knew it was not gonna um, proceed. Wow, I'm fascinated by that. Oh yeah, I, I can tell you more specific. I doubt she's listening to this. Um, I love how I have that bravado that she might be. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, we'll never. See, I knew in that moment we'll never see each other again. I hugged now, her goodbye. 
did you say anything definitive or and did did she reach out after like and did you have to reject she might not have enjoyed it either because we were oh. just like bye like I th- we might have we might have chatted afterwards but it kind of just petered out like it just we both naturally knew yeah it wasn't gonna work out that, well that that's that's better than than if yeah. she just kept pining for you oh i had one girl um I love how this podcast is about you and now I'm talking no, about these I've... crazy cycles. I worked <laughs> at this yoga studio and this girl um, came up from behind me, like tapped me on the shoulder and I thought she was like a girl like needing a towel or something. And she was like, I'm like, hey girl, what's up? Like, what's going on with you? Like, oh, um, you know, we'll call her Karen. I'm learning to change the names. I'm Karen. Like, oh God, I'm with this guy and he like, he won't like, he won't call me his girlfriend until I lose like 20 pounds. It's fucking crazy. But like the fucking sex is amazing. And like, oh my God. And I was like, do you need a towel? She's like, no, I work after you. Oh and my God. It was crazy. And then she was, she would tell me these intimate sexual stories. Um, and then she was like, we got to hang out girl. And I'm like, I don't I don't, you don't even know my name. And then she like got my phone number because I'm so, I, how do you say, when someone's like, can I get your phone number? Like, how do you say no? Yeah. What, and I can't fake phone. I, I quit. I quit the yoga studio. I, I went, <laughs> I'm not even lying. That's not even a joke. I left. I was like, I'm done now. Yeah. I can't get my free yoga classes anymore. I can't work with this woman anymore. Wow. She started texting me like, I feel like you don't want to hang out with me. Like you're avoiding me. Yeah. And I just I never responded to her. I, I just let her get it out. Wow. I mean, again, from the outside, none of that is on you. Like you Thank did you. everything right. <laughs> I quit. She should never have. She should never try to make friends that way. <laughs> no, she who shouldn't. Would? I'm sorry. She sh- who would? But I mean, I did. Um, kind of. You know, maybe I. I wrote a character that will never probably be seen again, but based on her. It's just <laughs> telling what she actually said to me. <laughs> so maybe I'll make millions off her, and it'll all be worth it. But it was a pretty stressful like three months. Three months. We had texts constantly. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, and I'll bring it up again. It happened during our writer's group. She had a little bit of a meltdown. Uh. And my, and she was, I get texts on my computer. So we were like reading and it was like, ding, 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 ding. And I'd like turn it off. And I had like so many. Wow. Yeah. I'm pretty popular. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Now I want to talk about, uh, cause you started a tiny letter and it's very amazing and wonderful. Oh, thank you. And people who are listening to this should check it out. It's tinyletter.com. Slash John Hartman, and I'll put it in the link. Okay, great. We Thank had you. to look it up. We had to look it up. I did because we I got locked out of my, my tiny letter. <laughs> and he can't use his Twitter to sign in, which is an option too. Oh yeah, I can't do that. Um, but I want to bring it up because I feel like we're talking about all the things we want to do and how hard it is. And I think what's interesting too is um, I'm wondering how you feel about the vulnerability of like putting stuff like this out there, like going, "Hey, friends, I'm now doing a blog. What do you think about that? Like, are you terrified?" Absolutely. You know, I mean, th- we, I, we did talk about this before, yeah. and you very much inspired me to oh. kind of put this stuff there because there there is something about, um, and these are short stories that I've written. Yeah, here. they're wonderful. Thank you. Um, and I've written them for a little while, and I have a, a bunch of them kind of backlogged that I'm excited to put out there. But there is something that is maybe more vulnerable to me about it because it's not a medium that necessarily is something that like the internet just embraces readily of like Mm -hmm. you know it's monday morning let's see it's not like let's see what sketch video somebody put out there right or um uh let's see what somebody's um somebody's putting a new song online or Mm -hmm. on Bandcamp or something you know these things that exist for that i mean this obviously does exist for that and i didn't know about it as much right but it's not something that um i felt like boy people that know me from one mm-hmm. aspect of 
how they know me or however they want to perceive me, right, right or wrong, mm-hmm. now are going to have to put it through a different lens, yeah, because this is not how they saw me. And part of that is makes it very vulnerable, vulnerable to me mm-hmm. in a way that is all on me. It's in my head of being like trying to probably like protect some image mm-hmm. that's the most vulnerable part of it i can say oh, totally is like boy there's probably someone in chicago that'll read this that when i left was i was like d- like leaving on a high yeah like i went out you know i did my time <laughs> in second city main stage <laughs> yeah. big shot yeah and then like you know in la you can be sort of mysterious sure and that's kind of scary to like, if you're not on there, maybe it's like, oh, I bet he's hard at work at something. Right. And then you have to show what you're hard at work at. And it's that. Right. Oh, it's, I honestly couldn't relate to it more. Like I left Toronto. I booked a pilot. I was like, I'm famous now. And then the pilot didn't go. And I was yeah. still here in LA. And then I was like, hey, you want to listen to this podcast? We're talking about The Bachelor. And it's like, there is this insecurity of like people talking and going, can you believe this? Like, oh my God, what is she doing? And uh, that'll never stop, obviously. No. We can never stop what people will say or what they think. No. It's fascinating to think about what, you know, and maybe it's not healthy to think about what people are thinking of you, Mm -hmm. but it's it's hard to to stop that. But I also think it's like, and to relate to like uh, the amateur versus the professional, it's like the only way for you to get from amateur to professional is to do work and for me like at one point this year it just kind of clicked for me where I was like I'm just gonna throw everything at the wall um unabashedly yeah and it might be too much and I might realize that and have to pull it back but like there's only the only way that you know I can become that professional my skill level can reach my taste level is if I just do stuff. Yes, absolutely. You know? I, I think that will probably serve you better than not. Totally. Yeah. But that's why I'm so excited you're doing this tiny letter because it's like we have this meet, like, you know, weekly group and we put out our stuff and mm-hmm. it's funny and it's heartwarming and it's like great and um, quirky and crazy and all those amazing things. But it's like, then we sit at the end and go, well, probably no one will see this. Bye guys. Right. And that is upsetting to me, maybe in a really naive way, but I'm like, well, that's a shame because it took us a long time to make this good or bad. Yeah. So why can't we just get it out there? I agree. Yeah. You know, there's some things of course that are probably just to do for the repetitions like we were talking about. Sure. And it's good to, you know, they, they sometimes talk about like, um, screenplays, the first draft is like the puke draft. Yeah. You have to get it all out. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a lot of writing that is the puke draft. Mm-hmm. And you have to just do it to get it out there. And maybe right. you don't want everyone to see that. Sure. But then there's other stuff that you're like, well, I don't have a place for this right now. It, it didn't sell, didn't sell for a million dollars. So I don't have a place to put it, but it's not a puke draft either. So maybe people should see it somehow. Sure. And I think that that's great. And I think people want that. You know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad that you're doing it. But it it is really scary. And I do worry about, even for myself, like what people say. Like, you know, like today I I put out the new podcast we're doing with our friend Blair and Emily. And it's like, I put out the photo and I was like, I'm sure people will be like, another one like even Blair said in the podcast how many of these do you have <laughs> it's like yeah <laughs> but it's like I love uh, you know chatting with people and, and doing that so I was like I'm just gonna put it out there but uh yeah. but it's terrifying of course it is yeah yeah it's yeah but I'm 
guys, go check it out. Tinyletter.com slash John Hartman. It's, it's nice. So when I, will they be subscribing to me? How will I know that? How, you'll know. You'll get, you'll get a little email note. No. Okay. So this is all new to you. Like tech is like new to you. Well, I mean, I'm on, the, I'm out there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Boy, You're having man. a nice Italy adventure and sharing it because everyone would be I'm upset on if you didn't. I'm yeah, on Instagram. I it's a basically like I, what I thought it was for, which is photos. I didn't know. Yeah. I guess it's supposed to be for marketing. So. <laughs> I don't look at it as marketing. I think it's like, you know, I, you check Instagram. Mm-hmm. Other people check Instagram. Put stuff out there. That's true. Although I will say that, um, and I think I said this before in another podcast, but uh, my um, my I think my image online is not like of like a well put together woman vibe <laughs> um, of an ill woman. I, it, sometimes it is like there's photos of me like in June with a toque, like chugging a La Croix while Papa Roach plays in the back. You know, like uh, upon reflection, I could probably refine it, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's attention grabbing enough. And, and I hope it is. I mean, obviously it ain't going to be your full real personality on there anyway. You have a whether you like it or not, you have an online persona. Ooh. You know? That's It's tough. I've tried I've, you know, to circle back again, it's what I've tried to avoid is like the idea of you show up, you keep your head down, you do your work and you shut up and you go home. Yeah. There's no way to do that online really. You have to right. you, uh, like I can't just let the work speak for itself but you're also a performer like yeah. you um were you, didn't you just do that kathy bates show i did just join it on Netflix. i saw that i saw that photo on instagram it's wonderful it'll be out in august i guess i love her and she you shot amazing. that live we That's, shot it live it's front, done in front of a live well, audience i had no idea it was multicam yeah it's a chuck lorry show did you get to meet chuck lorry he was not there no but the other guys the other creators were there it's an interesting incredible I- I- interesting show because it is very traditional multicam Re- what oh yeah it's really? like it's like you know and all like a lot of the crew and stuff and the director that time had done like a hundred episodes of two and a half men what? it's like that kind of thing but then the it's on netflix so every other word is fuck and it's about a weed dispensary and oh, okay and one of the head writers of the daily show is one of the creators so it is so many different like hands in the pot for this, this kind of show. It's it, it, It'll be very interesting to see. I would love to do a multicam. That would be my ideal life because like you go in, you rehearse, you get a live audience, you like go do your thing, you do a bow, and then... It is, yeah. My first job was on a multicam was doing um, a, a Two Broke Girls episode. Oh my God, really? <laughs> yeah. What did you do on that? I played a um, upwardly mobile hippie. <laughs> That had a giant dog with me. I had a bloodhound that I that had on. So I worked with an animal my first time on TV ever. That had a handler and all it's this a lot. jazz. He'd been he'd done a couple potato commercials. Nothing cool. big. Well, uh, I did a PSA for uh, mental illness with a bunch of dogs. You did? Yeah, the handler had a big uh, van full of border collies. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I I want this to be done. <laughs> That's amazing. The handler for this was um they the dog was sort of scared enough. That the the um, the handler oh, no. had to be dressed up as an extra in the scene and be in the scene no. with us. So the dog was constantly looking at her. See, I have no interest in that. That that is terrifying to me. That I would have to deal with like this woman all day. Yeah. Well, it was never like. Uh, it's funny. It was like no one ever asked me if I w- would be able to do that. They were it, just like, "Here's your dog." Yeah. It was just like. I thought it was so fun, though. but like going back to what you said, it was the first thing I ever did, and it is in front of a live audience. You got this and it damn like, dog, and everyone there is kind of like this gig is the jam. Like everyone, really? On, well, on that the makes Netflix sense. Netflix show too, yeah. Because a multicam, it's got. I mean, 
despite what people think of them, like quality wise, sometimes yeah, it is like the best schedule in Hollywood. Hell yeah, it's a great paycheck for a lot of people. I think, mm-hmm. and it's consistent. Yeah. A lot of them, the schedule is like two weeks on, one week off. Ugh, two weeks on, one so week nice. off. I mean, it's just like one of those rare jobs people love. I get. I laugh when like Kaylee Cuoco from The Big Bang Theory is like, if you want a 11th season with me, it's going to be expensive. It's like, just do it. Oh my God, just, just do it. Just do it. What are you going to do after this? No one's going to care. Yeah. What, you're just going to be the girl from the, that show. Yeah. What you, look at Jennifer Aniston. She's not back on our TV and we all want it. But <laughs> yeah. we know that it's we can't have Rachel again and that's a problem. Yeah. I would I'd, love to do a multicam. I'd be so, I would love it. it yeah. I mean, I think, you know... They are sort of, like, out of vogue right now. Yeah, they're not, like, cool enough. They're not cool. Like, the worst of them look like parodies of themselves because of what yeah. kind of comedies we have on right now. But, like, even to talk about Seinfeld again, like, Seinfeld was a multicam, which I didn't even realize till later in life. What that meant or what it was. Yeah, but yeah. I, then then when it's, like, when I started acting and I was like, wait, that was a multicam? Because I don't feel like multicams are shot like that anymore. Yeah. Like, Jerry's apartment looked like a real shitty stand-ups apartment like elaine like george dressed like a dope kramer was like i don't know i just felt like they looked like real people the apartments looked real we're like multi-cams now it's like it's like people don't live there that doesn't seem real yeah they're wearing yeah. like bright clothes you know like <laughs> this isn't how people live yeah and they didn't shoot seinfeld in new york either oh, i know sorry to burst your bubble but. i was so naive with television i i i couldn't like when i found out like friends wasn't shot in new york either yeah it was based in new york right friends oh, yeah. yeah and then like i remember um i when i was shooting my pilot i got to see like the how i met your mother set and like central perk and stuff yeah oh was it on the warner brothers no like just when i was like going around to like it was just like a three week period where like all my dreams of like yeah. what it was probably like were just shattered. Yeah. yeah. Like the Warner like, brothers backlot, they've got their New York city street. It's crazy. Have, you know, you've seen everything that's been on it and there's a Chicago street that has an L train and yeah. It's so funny now watching Seinfeld and them walking down the street. I'm like, it's such a set yeah. <laughs> like now that you know, but I feel like, yeah, multicams get a bad rap and they used to be really, really good. And I feel like if they were good, they can still be good. Yeah, I don't know. I and I don't know if I am like pining to make a case for the multicam. Like, no. it's probably not the kind of show that I write or like no. think about that much. Yeah, but you know, I I that's why I feel like I wanted to stick up for it in a way of like it was so fun to do. Like, it is <laughs> it really a dream. fun to do. It's so funny though because like. Um, it's interesting what again we talked about staying in your lane, which I guess is the theme kind of this podcast. But like, uh, I remember like pitching a show and about my life, um, which is hilarious because like who am I? But um, <laughs> well, that's I, what we were talking about too. Like, I know you gotta, you, people <laughs> no. want what you. Yeah. What's about you? The concept was me being like a thirty-year-old vlogger in Los Angeles, um, <laughs> just trying to get famous on YouTube, but. Um, they were like, no, we want something like, like, this is great, but she's like a little kooky. Like, we want something like love. And I was like, well, I'm not cool. Like, <laughs> I remember sitting back and going, okay, well, I'm going to, the vibe of it would be like love, like Gillian Jacobs being super chill. And yeah. And then I had a moment where I was like, I'm just also not like that as a human being. I couldn't write to that to save my life. Well, then, yeah, there, I guess that's your answer. But I think that's like, I, people describe, that's funny because people describe a show like love as like, it's, you know, it's very cool. It's like millennials. Like, yeah. really, I understand it. But 
I don't know if I watch it and I see those people as cool at all. I just like oh, I don't people that you see in your daily life in L.A. The most annoying people you see during your day it can be, which is great. Yeah. I love an antihero. I love that they're like annoying. I like the show. I think the show is fantastic, and especially Gillian is just like she will push like the likability factor like on purpose. I think I. I mean, yeah. I also saw her in like Don't Think Twice. Oh yeah. I was. I watched a, a Q and A. Like sh- they were all there to talk about the film. Yeah. And I got really upset. She she played like the improviser girl, and she was like, yeah. didn't improvise ever. They had a I teacher, know. and I was like, I'm fucked. I was <laughs> like, if I can't even audition for improviser girl in the improv movie, I was like, I'm screwed. Well, they. I. I. Love and she's that. good in it too. Yeah. And that's what's also upsetting. I was like, God damn it. I, I was so like Mike Birbiglia had come to came to Second City a lot. Like whenever he was in town, he would come by, I'd watch really? the show, and they'd play the set. And he was so nice. And I realized that That's he incredible. was taking he was like doing his research too because he was a New York guy, but he would come to Chicago and see what was going on there. That's amazing. And I thought he nailed those those improviser types so oh, much. Oh, yes. I left so stressed out after that movie. Yes, I agree. If you don't know what I'm talking about or we're talking about, go watch that movie. Don't think twice. It's, don't think twice, right? Don't think twice, yeah. It's so good. Even if you're not like a comedian person, you'll enjoy it. I think so. Ray, we were on the way back from Italy. He watched it on the plane and he was tearing up at the end. On the plane. <laughs> I feel like a plane is a good cry. That's when I cry at my movies is on oh, a plane. Really? I can't get like emotionally involved on a plane. I don't know why. Oh, you have a little white wine. The elevation will oh, really put, it'll push you there <laughs> <laughs> it'll really push you there <laughs> yeah you're just like Ugh. um i always end up watching a movie that's about like a dog dying and i don't realize it till the end and then i'm a mess <laughs> also i watched that um what was that last one i watched what's the stephen hawking one with eddie redemain oh theory of everything bald during that i haven't seen it but yeah i don't know if there's a reason to cry so much again i was having white wine and really leaning in but it was really good but i bald the people thought i was crazy beside me but it's like uplifting, right? I mean, yeah, but I think I just like, I was just so inspired. Oh, I see. You can, yes. Well, not inspired to like do something, but I was just like, Ugh. Yes. I think uh, I can definitely cry. I do cry in movies. You do? Oh, yeah. You're a crier. Mm-hmm. But often it is like, it's not sad things. It's often uh, like, yeah, really sweet things or like, an old person really got what they wanted in the end. Oh, yeah. Brendan, what does he call it? He calls it like simple pleasures or something. Like I told him, I, I once taught this kid and he just wanted a green sweater and he like he wanted this like green sweater, but if he didn't cry and if he was a good boy during class and he was like five, then he'd get it. But he was an easy crier. And one oh. day he was crying and then his mom was like, you're not going to get the green sweater because oh I told God. you. And then I I cried and I told Brendan and he he got sad too. It's like simple people who just want simple, simple pleasures. pleasures. That's it. That'll get me in a movie anytime. I feel you. That is so true. Oh, well, John, we really ended on like a nice little, <laughs> a nice little precipice. I mean, how do you think it went? As I ask everyone, do I you think feel it went good? Well, you know, I take away from it that with regards to the kid with the sweater basically in life you can't always get what you want and so yeah. you really need to suck it up also if you want that green sweater wipe your face when your parents before they get there and just lie maybe don't fucking cry for one day <laughs> i'm kind of i'm kind of happy of where this conversation went it was really really nice yeah i we talked we kind of talked about things we might hit we sort of did but it kind of hit some more interesting places i thought it did so I'm pleased with it. I'm pleased with it too. I, Do you think I, you'll delete the whole thing right after I or you might keep it? I think so. I mean, you know, 
You are going to delete it? Okay. I'll delete it. I'll delete it. Uh, I'll just delete like the parts where we talk about like your accomplishments and that (laughs) you're a multi-cam kind of God right now. You're doing a lot of them. Yeah. That's that's (laughs) what, those were my words. Um, Well, I was going to say like, you have a, do you provide, perform live now? I do. I do. I do. Um, uh, once a week, a show I really do love out here, um, called baby wants candy. What is this show? It is an improvised musical. You sing? Oh yeah, baby. I didn't know that. This, <laughs> I mean, I sing enough this, to get by. Okay, well, I was about to say that we were ending, but we'll just talk a couple more minutes about this. So you're a singer. I'm a singer-ish. I went to music school. You did? Oh, I right. I did, but I played the trumpet in music school. Yes, I've heard these tales. Yeah. Other people telling me. Yeah. Um, but I, I sang a little bit when I was there, too. So. And you're like really good, right? Like you're like... Trumpet player? Yeah. Like, well, I was then. I, I haven't played in a while, so I'm not... You don't I, play now? You know, like... Ray doesn't come home and you're just tooting on the thing? No, I, I'm rarely tooting. Like, <laughs> so I would really it? have to get back in shape. It's such a muscle. Really? Yeah. To the, the, uh, the, the form you make on your mouth is called the embouchure. And oh. it's, like any, it's like the lip muscles. And I, I, I pulled the, the trumpet out you know, in the last like year and played a little. And it was fine, but I was tired after like two minutes. Really? I would need to get like in shape like for uh, like an really? Olympic event wow yeah it's not it's not something that goes away like the memory of how to play probably but i would not be good now that's crazy brendan got a guitar and it was honestly the saddest day of my life (laughs) i don't like coming home and he's like noodling on the strings as like a new player no he can play but he only knows songs from the 90s and so he's singing and there's like this band in from canada called crash test dummies and they haven't you know them yeah, probably not as well as Canadians do, but oh, I thought they were just Canadian. Uh, so, are you aware of the album "God Shuffled His Feet"? Um, I wouldn't be aware of a full album, no. Yeah, nor should you be. Uh, they're ironically great, but just him just singing in the bedroom, playing it like what, what, which is one of the songs starts with him going. Is that the one that's like the the low humming one? That's like mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I he'll just he'll just play that, and I can't stand it. But a <laughs> trumpet, like that's something fun to come home to. That's someone like. You know, start maybe a little party, a little marching thing, and yeah, some jazz. Yeah, that could be fun to come home to. Um, <laughs> I don't think people would really enjoy it that much. I yeah, would, I don't play that much, I, I mean, anymore. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean... I, I'm peeling this a, onion, and I like the onion. That's the, all I can say. Well, yeah, there's a long... I mean, there's a longer story about that, but I, I mean, I was kind of finding um, improv and comedy and theater at, at the, same, the time? same time, and I... It was just becoming clear to me what was what important you want. to me. Well, I'm glad that you stuck with comedy because you're very good. Thank you. And, and you can see it at, I mean, and you, I do sing a little bit in this show. That's but great. But that's every week at UCB. Um, oh, that's terrifying Fridays to me. Fridays at 7.30. Singing improv, like musical improv is truly my greatest nightmare of all nightmares. Really? When we were at Second City, we had like a Tuesday night improv show that no one came to because um, it was you know, you want to see a show opposed to just playing games, but we would play the song or the game sounds like a song. Yes. And I would say, I don't want to be in this. And they were like, you have to be in it. I was like, I don't want it. And, uh, and so then I would come out and I would always play like the evil person that would come out, you know, and like we would set it up, you know, like not like we would plan it, but it's like the two people would start and then whatever the conflict was, I would kind of come out as that. I remember this game. Yeah. We called it sing it. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's the same. But then I would come out and be like, hey there, guys. Oh, you want to say something? And then I would just like leave the stage. Like I was like, I can't. Classic villain. <laughs> yeah, I wanted everyone else to do it. Yeah. Um, well, that's exciting. And now I know that you do the show and I'm going to come watch you do that. Please do. I will sweat through the whole thing. I do get nervous for everyone involved. For the performers. Yeah. Just my oh, fear is like people singing like at me, like, if, you know, like Brendan with the guitar looking at me singing. Like I do get very nervous. Yeah. Well, I won't look at you. No, I, I would like you to okay. explicitly just so that, you know, I'm there and, you know, I get kind of friend points for that. But okay. um, well, thank you so much for chatting. And if you're in the L.A. area, check out John. You'll probably see him on your TV now. You're in a bu- you're in a bunch of stuff. Trial and error. Yes. Um. Uh, Two Broke Girls, go look that up. It just got canceled, but I'm sure that episode, please keep watching it. The no. residuals are very nice. <laughs> the Watch it on a plane nice. if you can. That's please, just John's episode specifically, tweet at them. Yep. And uh, the No New Friends, that's that episode. Okay, great. Um, and now we got Disjointed coming out in August. Disjointed in August, and then um, um, Curb Your Enthusiasm in September. You did Curb Your Enthusiasm? That's right. I Well, I'll talk about that with you off air. I, I will want to know specific things. Okay. I am sexually attracted to Jake Tapper in the same way that I'm sexually attracted to Larry David. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a problem. That's actually not all that weird. I think that's like, yeah, but we're going to go off camera and I'm going to ask you specifics. Like, what does he smell like? Was he nice? Things Mm -hmm. like that. I I will want to know those informations, uh, those informations. And also guys, check out your tiny letter. It's so whimsical and funny and wonderful. And you will read it and you will see it in your brain and it will look beautiful. And it's hilarious. And it's tinyletter.com slash John Hartman. Please check that out. Thank you, you, John, for chatting with me. Oh, my pleasure. Now let's go film you doing something weird. Okay. All right. You guys will see that at some point, I think. I don't know. Bye, guys. Bye. (laughs)